kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will has not yet been, has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Well, He talked about us being born of Him, and that leads Him to thinking about the great, amazing privilege of being His children. That is a demonstration of unbelievable love on God's part. To adopt us and to make us Him. Now, love is a big deal in 1 John. From 2.29 to 5.12, the words love or beloved are found 46 times in 57 verses. An incredible amount. Um, but, But he says, you know, we are children of God. And think about what that means. You know... We receive the title children of God because that's what we are. God's calling us what we are. But if we're children of God and if if that's who we are, then that means a lot of stuff. For one thing it means the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. It's not surprising. If they didn't recognize the Father, they won't recognize the children. It would be a terrible sign if the world were happy with us. That would surely mean that we weren't of Jesus because they weren't happy with Jesus. They don't like this family. Our conduct is from another planet. We're kind of extraterrestrials here, and the world doesn't like it. So, but but it doesn't matter what the world thinks. We're God's children. We're God's people. And, and he says it has not appeared as yet what we will be. You know, I mean, do you really understand what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back and how we'll be transformed and what we'll really look like and be like? Wow. I mean, that's that's just overwhelming. But here's what we do know. When he appears, we'll be like him because we'll see him just as he is. Our vision of Jesus as he truly is will transform us. We will become like him. I don't know how that is. I don't know what that is. I mean, that's going to be more fantastic and incredible than anything we could ever describe anyway. But that's what we have to look forward to. But, but you know, I mean, here's the thing. We're looking at Jesus, looking forward to being transformed bodily. But, but we are seeking to imitate his nature and character and image in our life right now. You know, the more we admire Jesus, the more we want to be just like Him. We're children of God, and, and we, we, we're seeking to be as much like our Father as we can be. You know, have you ever seen a little boy imitate his dad? How do, how do they imitate their dads? Wear the same clothes. Wear the same clothes. I'm trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. Watch them. They'll do exactly the same thing. You know, I'd mow the yard and Kyle would have his little bitty plastic mower that he'd go around right behind me. You know, mowing. Probably didn't cut a whole lot, but he he wanted to do what his daddy did. Who doesn't? You know, I mean, how many eight-year-olds like the same ball team as their daddy? Isn't that true? We look at things the same way. 
how many 10-year-olds, if they know anything about politics, have the same political views as their dad? You know, that's, that's typical. You know, you want to be like your father. We want to be like God. We want to know everything about Jesus we can, and we're trying to just imitate him in everything. And that's where he's going in this. When we really have that heart to imitate Jesus, then look at what it's going to do to our life. My comments or questions through two. Three to ten. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices unrighteousness is right. Do what? Practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So if we have this hope fixed on him, you know, looking forward to being like him when he comes back, what do we do now? Purify yeah. It's not just that we want to be like him then, we want to be like him now. So we always have that goal in mind and we're just trying to be as pure as he was. Now, one of the things that's interesting in this section, so John, look at how verse 4 starts and how verse 3 started. With what word? Everyone. Everyone. Look at how verse uh, 6 starts. And what you have in verse 7? No one. No one. What verse 9 starts with? No one. Do you see why John does a lot of this everyone and no one business? What does that say? Well, you said he's very black and white, so it has to be one way or the other. Yeah, so there's no... Elitism. Exceptions. There's not a a third... (laughs) Exactly. There's no exceptions. There's no third group. It's, you know, you either are or you aren't. You know, he really makes you have to deal with this. So, he is really saying, you've got to purify yourself. And he gives all kinds of arguments for that. Look at verse 4. The nature of sin. What is sin? What? Lawlessness. Lawlessness, which means what? Lawful? Yeah, not obeying the law. Not doing what's right. You know, the first step toward living right is recognizing the true nature of sin. We don't do that very much. <laughs> what do we say? I messed up. I messed up. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I Thanks. stumbled. I stumbled. The error of your ways. Yeah. I struggled. I struggled. 
Boy, that almost sounds noble, doesn't it? <laughs> Struggle. Mm. What else do we say? I fell. Fell? I was weak. Yeah, I made a mistake. You know, just talking to a guy, probably not three or four days ago, his statement was, I just wasn't thinking. I just wasn't thinking. I'm like, you know, I don't think that's a good answer. You know, because it's like, I said, okay, let me ask you this. Before you started into the road that led you where you weren't supposed to be, did you start down that road because you wanted to do it? Yeah. I said, that seems to me like you were probably thinking. <laughs> you know, that's a cop-out. But we'll do that. We will do all kinds of things to not take responsibility. The other day, he said one line, like, I made, I forget the word, I think it was more sophisticated than this, but I made an unfortunate search on the internet. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh my, you know, <laughs> poor, poor guy, that was, that was bad luck, you know. <laughs> My fingers slipped and yeah. I just... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was butter on that keyboard and I just went all over the place. It, we, but, but we do that. We won't say, I disobeyed God's law. I chose to rebel against God at that point. So he's making a very obvious statement. This is what sin is. It is not obeying the law. You didn't do the right thing. You did the wrong thing. It's rebelling against God's will. It is rebelling against God's will, too. It's exactly what it is. Tell me, why did Eve eat that fruit? Yes. She wanted to be like God. Yes. So why did she eat the fruit? She wanted to. She wanted to because... She was told not to. Partially. Yes. If it hadn't been for that, I don't know if they'd have even noticed that one tree. <laughs> but what else? She wanted to because she thought... It was better. It was better. She believed the devil's lie that it's better to do it your way than God's way. You know more than he does. You know, he's unduly restricting you. Whatever. And we believe that devil's lie. How many times? Think about your pet sin. And you're thinking, man, that'll be so good. That'll be so cool. Yeah, I can see so many good things in that. I want that so much. God said it's wrong. Yeah, but man, it's so cool. We're just swallowing what the devil told Eve. Why do we want the forbidden fruit? It's forbidden for a reason. It's wrong. God doesn't want us to have it. It's the worst thing for us. When we swallow what the devil says and think, no, I think it's better. We're arrogant. We think we know more than God does about it. So sin is basically rebellion. It's disobeying God's law. Verse 5. The purpose of Christ's appearing was what? 
So if you sin, you're in open opposition to the very purpose Jesus came into the world. That's pretty sad. You know, what a huge inconsistency for a believer to practice the very thing Jesus came to destroy. That shouldn't happen. (laughs) You know, Jesus came to take away these sins. It's against his own mission, against his own purpose. And last part of verse 5, the character of Christ is what? There is no sin. So if you want to be like Jesus, don't sin. In verse 6, our union with Christ is based on what? If you want to abide in Him, you can't do it if you sin. Right? I mean, fellowship with the sinless one and indulging in sin is a contradiction in terms. You want to have a relationship with God, you've got to quit sinning. No one who sins has seen Him or knows Him. You know, either you've got a continuing relationship with Jesus, or you have a continuing relationship with your sin. It's not both. The faithful might fall into sin. Chapter 1, he sure won't walk in it. If we keep on sinning, we just renounce everything we had. I mean, we are too content sometimes. We've got to realize. We've got to quit it. Just change. We don't do it. Because it's inconsistent. With being in Christ. You know, he says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. You know, he calls them little children, maybe here because it's easy for little children to be misled and deceived, kind of vulnerable to people who might want to exploit them. And he sees this inseparable connection between character and conduct, between what he is and how he acts. So, if you do sin, you're not of God, you're of Satan. You do righteousness, you're of God. I mean, (laughs) these false teachers thought that you could somehow manage to be righteous without doing righteous things. They separated being and doing. Oh yes, they were they were God's people. They were good. Well, well, how's your life? Well, it's bad, but I'm good. Don't we do that? You know, what will we sometimes say? I know I did that, but it really wasn't me. Well, pray tell who was it. <laughs> we're like, but yeah, but that's not really me. That's not that's not how I am. It's what you did. Yeah, but I, that's not really how I am. We have this two standard thing. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. He doesn't allow that. You are what you do. You do what you are. You know, you can go either way with that one. We almost try to have a split personality. You know, schizophren- spiritual schizophrenia or something like that. You know, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm schizophrenic, me too. You know, I mean, it's like, well, if it wasn't you who did it, then <laughs> who's taking over your body? I mean, you make the choice to do what you make the choice to do. It's you that does it. So today we'll say, well, you know, you've got such a good heart. 
He's all, got all kinds of terrible habits, but he's got a good heart. Well, where do those bad habits come from? You know, I mean, you, you take this guy, you know, who's who goes on shooting rampages now and then, but he's got a good heart. <laughs> we probably say that. Well, it doesn't sound very good when he does that. You know, where did that come from? That, that uh, you know, little area of his good heart? Well, we go on sinning rampages, and where does it come from? From me. Don't think, well, it's not me. He really blasts this thing. I mean, this is kind of like a pile driver. You know, every statement in this section is just saying, you got to do the right thing. Quit living in sin, guys. And he says in the end of verse 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So, uh, well, and actually before that, the devil sinned from the beginning. So the origin of sin... Is, is from Satan. You know, you are of the devil when you do what he does. From the very start of his devilish career, he was a sinner. That's his whole existence. And then Christ came. The purpose of him being manifested was to destroy the works of the devil. That ought to be enough to cause us to renounce sin. So as not to contradict the very reason for what Jesus does. You can't say sinful behavior doesn't matter. That's just my body. Well, that, that is what we use in sin. And so, the nature of the new life. No one who's born of God practices sin because his seed abides him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. He's saying sin and the Christian are radically opposed. There's no room for overlap. You can't blur the distinctions. You do what you are. His seed abides in him I think that's probably the word of God. As the word abides in you, seed is the word according to the parable of the sower, then, you know, or maybe the life that God gives you, either way, you can't have fellowship with God and keep sinning. It's one or the other. Are you with the Lord or not? Again, he doesn't really let them up. And he finally says in verse 10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not from God. Nor the one who does not love his brother. And that takes us into the next section. You know how John always is. He's going to always go a step farther than you expected. You know, kind of the conclusion is like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. But the distinction's clear cut. Here's how you determine who's who. You, you're, you come either from divine parentage or diabolical parentage. And your acts reveal your nature. Here's a... Here's a spiritual who's who. You know, if you don't practice righteousness, you're not from God. If you don't love your brother, you're not from God. There you have it. You can't say, well, I'm from God, but I don't practice righteousness and I don't love my brother. You just proved you're not from God. I don't care how much you want to say you are. Not a matter of what you say. That's a powerful passage. And I'm afraid that when we tolerate sin, I'm not saying, again, I understand from John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, we can never say, I never ever sin. But when we just kind of live with it, and sit on it, and just sort of keep indulging ourselves, 
that that warps us. It perverts our thinking. It's a real problem. Deal with the sin. Get rid of it. Stop doing it. You know, do we still need to grow? Of course. Will we still need to confess sins and pray for forgiveness? Yes. This is not sinless perfection in every sense. But it is a determination to do the right thing. Comments and questions? This is a little, well, perhaps a lot more powerful than what I used to think about sin. You can tell me if this is wrong. Um, But I used to think, well, we have to do the right thing so that we can be good enough to go to heaven. And he kind of says here sort of the opposite in verse 2 and 3. He says, you are of God. You're going here. And because of that, it causes you to purify yourself. Um, so it's kind of the reverse of that. And then he doesn't say you avoid sin because you have to be good enough to go to heaven. You avoid sin because it's like the opposite of God's character. Like, how could you even, like, be part of sin when you're being a Christian? Like, Romans 6, shall we sin so that grace may abound? And it's kind of like, well, no, because that doesn't even make sense. Um, I think that's more powerful and a lot more motivating for avoiding sin. Amen. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And I think that we need that perspective. Um, I am communicating again with a former brother who I was very close to and had great respect for. Who I think that's kind of where he's come to. It's like, well... I don't want to be a legalist. You know, I don't want to try to get into heaven on my own merits. Therefore, it doesn't matter what we do. It's like, huh? It always matters what we do if we love God. If we have a heart for Him and His purpose. You know, it's like, this is not just checklist. This is being in the Lord. This is loving him, living for him, admiring him so much that we want to be his child. This is a part of the family. This is, you know, when you imagine you were adopted into a family that you just adored. Maybe your parents died early and whatever, and you're adopted into this family. It's not like you've got to do these things to be adopted. You're already adopted. It's like you love this family and you want to, you admire them. You want to be just like they are. You know, I I think that is more powerful and that these considerations are deeper. This is not just, okay, what's, give me the checklist so I can escape hell. This is, I want to be born of God. I want to live for him. I want to contribute to his purpose. Other thoughts? I think of it a lot with the marriage relationship. If it was the, you know, I don't want Chris to do something for me because he has to, it's on the checklist. He wants, you know, the love is the motivation because he, he wants to. And God's the same way. You know, he wants us to love him, and if you're a part of the family, you want to do what pleases him because you love God. Absolutely. 
if it becomes in marriage, well, if I don't do this, will you divorce me? And as long as you're not going to divorce me over it, then I won't do it. Wow, what a barren relationship that would be. So the overriding thing is the love and imitation, which is a lot more meaningful to God and what we should be, and that takes away the, like you said earlier, the minefield of, you know, trying to avoid that. Yes. It's not even a consideration. That's right. We don't want to sin. When we see all of this, we are determined to avoid it. We have all sorts of good reasons to avoid it. You know, I mean, not going to hell is not the main thing we think about when it comes to sin. And when it comes to righteousness, we're thinking about the Lord. We're thinking about everything he did. We're thinking about Satan and how awful he is. You know, we're thinking about the kind of um, admiration we have for this righteous, holy God. And we, we just, we want him, we, we, we want to be just like him. And we know sin is totally against his character, against his purpose, against his mission, that it hurts him, and we hate it, and we don't want to have anything to do with it. Other comments or thoughts? All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and stop here so I can get back over the piano home. This is a good stopping point anyway. And no class next week. And the week after that, yes.